afternoon and welcome to Fireside Chats. I'm Jade Lauren. I will be your facilitator for the next 50 minutes. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that's really close to me. Uh, uh, we talked last week about diabetes, and this week we're going to be talking about rheumatoid arthritis, or RA. And we're going to be talking about those emotional aspects of RA. And it's pretty close to me because I was diagnosed uh, with RA when I was nine years old. Well, my doctor didn't call it RA then. He just called it arthritis. And I remember at the time, because I was so young and my hands were swelling uh, right around my joints and things, and I remember the look on my dad's face when he took me to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, she has arthritis. And my dad had this extremely puzzling look on his face, and he went, you know, she's nine years old. How can she have arthritis? And, you know, at the time, and, and the doctor said, well, that's what the swelling is. She has arthritis, and the way we're going to work with it is she just needs to keep her hands busy and moving and She'll probably grow out of it and never have any problems. And so I started typing uh, probably around 11 or 12 years old. I started typing and started messing around, keeping my, my fingers moving. And so that I, in the back of my head, I thought, well, if I keep my fingers moving, I'm not going to be bothered with this too much. And I can honestly say that I have not been bothered with it um, at all, actually. Uh, going into my adult life, and I attribute that to just understanding uh, some of the emotional aspects that go with arthritis. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I never really thought about it, but I was being prepared. I wrote a book called From Conception to Birth, and I realized that a lot of the things that happened to me at such a very, very young age were to confirm for me that you inherit a lot of things. You pick up a lot of ideologies, a lot of belief systems about yourself and the world that you're coming through while you're still in the womb. And so as your soul matrix is starting to form, you start to get these little, these little bugaboos that start to show up as you reach certain ages, 9 or 10 or 15 these these ideologies start to manifest in the physical body. They show up to let you know where your bugaboos are. And rheumatoid arthritis is classified, again, when we talked about it in diabetes, RA is classified in the, audio, um, the autoimmune diseases. It's one of those diseases. And as we talked about last week, that is collectively a rejection of the self. And they like to say the body turns on itself. And it's just a rejection of the self from your, from your own aspect. And it's also interesting to note here that RA affects more women than men. And as we start to talk about the emotional aspects of RA, it's going to become really clear why women suffer with this imbalance more than our male counterparts. And just like any other disease, it can be uh, generational or heredity coming down through the female collective and on that individual basis, that, that female aspect that is have our mothers may have been holding things within and holding in a lot of anger, holding in a lot of resentment and things of that nature. And, of course, we're going to pick that up in our soul matrix. Now, I also find it interesting that the location of RA is basically 
in the joints. It's prevalent in the joints. And, you know, the joints, that's our interconnectedness, uh, you know, when we're, when we're moving through the body temple. And it seems to affect the knees, the fingers, the wrists, the elbows. And if you think about it, those are areas that bend. And when I think about stiffness and the inability to, to move freely and unobstructed, I think about being inflexible in both my approach and acceptance. And it's something to think about, you know, being inflexible. And another thing that's really prevalent, and we're going to get into this, but another thing that's, in, that's prevalent in RA is that emotional block is centered around criticism, mainly self-criticism, because we criticize ourselves terribly. Every time we don't do or act in a way that we perceive we should, it's really self-criticism. It has nothing to do with externals. And so when we... When we look in things of some of the emotional building blocks of RA, it's unexpressed anger, resentment, aggression, a feeling of a lack of support, and, of course, fear. I always like to talk a little bit about this. There's only two ways to walk this earth, and that is through fear or faith. You can be surrounded and succumb to fear in every waking moment of your life, or you can take the position that every waking moment of your life is going to be about faith, faith that things will work out, faith that things are somehow in divine order, and that as long as we stay connected to that faith, we will come through whatever we have. And as I said, this is not a political show. It's very hard not to be political in the climate that we have going on, on on the planet right now, especially here in the United States, where we just have rampant and unchecked fear everywhere we look. And being an empath, I especially pick it up when I'm out and 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 I'm out going through my daily uh, routines and I have to be out. I try not to be out as much as possible. And it's not it has nothing to do with fear and everything to do with I don't like having to wear a mask and I don't like looking at people with masks on their faces. And so because of that, I tend not to go out simply because I don't like how things look, but not from a standpoint of fear. I absolutely refuse to participate in fear in any of its buddies. So moving again out of that and being aware that um, that those are the only two ways that you can walk this planet. And so stop and think to yourself sometimes, are you walking in fear or are you walking in faith? Because I guarantee you that if you think that you're going to be sick, you will. Because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have dictated and put it out there and expressed it. Oh, I'm going to be sick. And so you absolutely will. And I'm reminded of a story here just briefly about my daughter, my, my middle daughter, Michelle. Uh, there was an epidemic when she was a kid. Uh, years ago, there was an epidemic of, of uh, chickenpox going through the school. And, of course, I was panic-stricken because I had never experienced chickenpox in my youth. And they all said to me that if you get chickenpox as an adult, you're in for a really bad ride. So my daughter comes home, and she's got this note, and chickenpox has broken out in, in school, 
and they're telling the parents this. And so I had two other children. So right away I wanted to say, well, you can't, you know, I'm going to have to do something. You can't go back to school because I can't have you bringing chicken pox into the house. And my daughter, who was probably around about maybe eight years old, uh, said to me very emphatically, I am not going to stay home, and I am not going to get chicken pox. And it stands out to me, I can still hear her all these years later, her saying this very emphatically. And I said, okay. And she never missed a day of school. She went right back to school the next day. I had to sign permission for her to come because, of course, there was chicken pox, that there was the possibility of getting them. And she never, ever, ever came down with chicken pox. So I thought that was interesting because, you know, we moving fast forward, we understand that as we decree, so shall it be. As we decree with that emotion that this is not going to be part of my reality, it will not be. And that works 100% of the time. Now, we tend to hear this when we're thinking about manifesting money and things and, you know, items and jobs. That's when we tend to think in terms of, okay, I can manifest this because I focus on it and I put my mind there and I set my intent so that I can draw this house card job, fill in the blanks. But we tend not to think about it when we're talking about our body, when we're talking about health. When it comes to our personal being and our health, for some reason we relegate that outside of ourselves, that, okay, I have no control over this. We forget all about as I set my intent and as I decree this is what I'm going to experience, and we run right along with the rest of the sheep and stand, take our places in line to go fall off that cliff that I call fear. So I'm always reminded of that, and I would, you know, suggest that to you. So one of the things that we're going to be talking about is a little bit about that unexpressed anger. And as women, we get that a lot because we're, we have been conditioned that that is in the realm men can express anger. Masculine energy can have those forceful feelings of aggression and, and anger, but we cannot that we have to be uh, calm and we have to be serene and soften our voice so that people around us can be comfortable and not find our tongue and that we don't have a license to display anger. And again, I'm reminded of when my dad, when I was a little girl, and um, I don't even remember now how the conversation came about, but I remember my father saying to me, that when a woman's voice reaches a certain octave, men tune her out and just don't hear her. You know, just and I and I don't know if that is uh, a defense mechanism so that men can maintain their composure and not become very angry or ultimately become violent because uh, the woman is nagging or whatever the case may be. I don't exactly know, but I never forgot him saying that. And he would say that. He says, you know, when she when her voice reaches a certain octave, ah, we just tune her out. We don't hear her from that point on. And then he went on to 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 uh to impress upon me so that if you want to be heard and if you're in a relationship, you need to maintain your voice at a certain level so that your significant other or whoever you're talking to will always hear you and not tune you out. 
And so years into that, I still find that very, very funny because I can remember in some of the relationships I worked for attorneys for 30 years, and I can remember sometimes when I was speaking to the attorney and I was correcting him or we got into a little tit-tat, when I raised my voice, I could see him actually withdraw. And there have been times that that has cost me a job. And so as I got older, as years went by, I started to know what that was, setting up that was creating uh, that fear and that because I was talking loudly, then automatically they set up that border that, okay, all right, I'm being attacked, and this is, this is an affront on me and coming from a female. And so when we can't express ourselves and, and, and when for whatever reasons we decide that we need to repress that anger, that, that anger is unexpressed, then, of course, we swallow it. It goes back within ourselves. And now we've got resentment because we resent not being able to express. And that resentment is almost like a... I call it uh, an open sore that never heals because every time something comes along that remotely reminds you of something else, you can feel that resentment welling up and then you have to stuff it back down again. And so you have that resentment going on and here comes the self-criticism. Why? I should not be angry. I should not feel resentful. I should not have all of these unexpressed feelings. What is wrong with me? I should, should, should. And I always want to say, and I would suggest here, if you want to really know where self-criticism comes in at in order for you to check it and feel it as soon as it comes up, it is always followed by should, or I should say preceded by should. I should have said this. I should have reacted this way. That is a form of self-criticism because you're, you are actively saying to yourself, I'm flawed because I should have done this, I should have done that. Had I done this, I wouldn't be experiencing that. And so we can always tell when we're getting into this self-criticism. And one of the prevailing points of RA is you will find that prevalent in people that are currently expressing RA. They are very self-critical. And it's so very easy because we don't pay attention to that. We don't pay attention to that little word should that is our indicator. And then on that resentment end, resentment is interesting because, you know, we start to feel like other people should know what we want by osmosis, telepathically. You know, we think that, okay, this is what I need from you, and you ought to know that. I shouldn't have to tell you. You ought to know that. And how many times sometimes or you can go back in your memory and remember a conversation and say, well, she should have known that or he should have known that, somehow telepathically. And as women, we are notorious for that because, again, coming back from our sociological upbringing that we should not express this, we should not say that, we should, you know, not feel this way, we should not feel that way. And so what does that that equate to that equates to not telling other people what we need, and that somehow um, by osmosis and telepathically they're supposed to to glean what it is that we want, what it is that we're feeling, what it is that we need. 
I remember even in my own situation um, in a recent marriage that I had, uh, my husband was, my ex-husband was not a communicator. And I used to, because I am a communicator, which is something odd I know for a female, but because I'm a communicator, I like to go right to the heart of the issue. What's, what's the matter here? What's really going on? Tell me what's going on. And it was like I used to say to him, it's like I pulling an eye tooth. I would have to, I'd come in from the office and I could feel him being an empath. And he'd be angry about something and very, very annoyed at something either that I said or did or whatever. And I used to tell him, you're, bo- you're walking on your bottom lip. What is the matter? And I can tell you there's nothing more frustrating than to know someone is upset and they look at you and tell you, I'm fine. And then you start to go, yeah, but you don't feel fine. What's the problem? What's the matter? on ad infinitum, and you get angrier and angrier as you try to draw out from this person. And so I can imagine on the flip side of that, a man dealing with a woman that has been conditioned not to express, trying to get her to tell him what's wrong, or even be able to pick up, because she's thinking in her little mind, well, you know, you ought to know how I'm feeling just by osmosis, just telepathically. And so we start to have this resentment build up because we will not say what's going on, again, from conditioning, either from the womb, uh, from society, from theology, you know, pick an influence, any influence, and you're going to find that women somehow are suppressed in this, in this realm here. And this is not about judgment. And being self-critical, it's not about judgment. It's about understanding where you are and what you can do to remove these conquers and bonkers. And again, with that criticism in RA and with that resentment and with that unexpressed anger, we're also going to find aggression. And this is repressed as well because, again, not being able to express ourselves and being really discouraged about being aggressive. Oh, uh, men don't like aggressive women. Oh, my goodness, she's too aggressive. She's too forward. She's too, uh, uh, she's too masculine. And so then you feel like you have to come from a place of manipulation or choice. More often than not, you will choose manipulation because you really want to get your way but you really cannot bring yourself to be aggressive about it, right? You cannot bring yourself to speak up and tell somebody what you need. You cannot feel that you can express your anger without sounding like a hysterical nut. And so all of this stuff is right there laying right within your psyche with you having this inability to process this stuff. And that sort of brings us to another aspect of RA, which is is this uh, this having to do with feeling like you have lack of support, like you know no one supports me. How many times have we heard that uh, nobody supports me? Uh, you know I'm doing this all by myself. Uh, nobody's lending me a helping hand, uh, and they see me with all this responsibility. Why don't they know that I need help? Well, it's because you're not asking for it, and sometimes. Take a look at why you're not asking for help. Could it be, 
Could it be that you take on a lot of responsibility because you need to be recognized? And let me say this, that if that is the case, it's absolutely okay. No judgment here. And you shouldn't have any judgment about it either. It's about acknowledging that this is what you need and then accepting that for whatever reason and for now, that is an aspect of yourself. That you're, and so don't have any judgment about it and don't have any criticism about it. Just know and understand that that's an aspect of you that you need to be recognizing. You're accepting all of this responsibility because you want a gold star. And if that is the case, be perfectly okay with that. Do not do not go into the shoulds. When nobody else wants a gold star, why I shouldn't want one either. Ah, ah, ah. No. If this is, is who you are for whatever your reason, then acknowledge it, own it, accept that that is an aspect of yourself, and that will stop you from going into this little criticizing loop. And, you know, think about your self-talk. When you stop and think about it, think about your self-talk. What do you say to yourself? What are those thoughts you have going on inside your head? Because i got to tell you that your subconscious hears every thought. And it has no filter, so, and it has no judgment. So if you tell it X, then X is what it believes is true, and it will express into your outer world exactly what you told it you are. And your subconscious mind sits at the, it is the interconnection between your higher self, which I call your Godhead, and those collective four energy bodies that make up your individualized expression. And you may be saying to yourself, you know, what do you mean by collective energy bodies? Well, I'm, I'm talking about you have a spiritual aspect, a mental aspect, an emotional aspect, and a physical aspect that are all encompassed within your Godhead, your higher self. And I look at that. This is the first aspect of free will, that, that which is the first expression of the individualized Godhead that's emitted from God that, that becomes the reality of our individual being for lack of a, of, of a better point of reference. If you think in terms of, of a God that is Alpha Omega and absolutely complete and everything comes from within this source and expresses out into the outer, you can think of that first thought, that first idea as being your individualized Godhead, your first aspect of free will that has become an individualized concept within the God of creation. And you can look at it that way. And then from that higher self, from that Godhead, comes, again using thought, those aspects of yourself, your emotional body, your physical body, your mental body, your spiritual body, all in a collective group and all expressing in a, in a particular vibration within that higher self. So when you look at that and you look at your, uh, when you're thinking again about your RA and we're talking about that lack of support and identifying that feeling and noticing that, you know, 
we look for support outside ourselves, and we never think about going within and having our support from within. We are so susceptible to life from the outside and living our life from the outside in, the opinions of others, the attitudes of others, uh, be it a spouse, a significant other, our offspring, what do our, what do our children feel about us, what do they think about us, other family members, employment. We are so conditioned that our life is without and outside of us. And for the most part, not even under our control. And so we start to feel this, this lack of support because we're looking outside of ourselves instead of knowing that our support comes from within. So when you start to feel these aspects of RA and, and you realize that, you know, Jade, you're right, I don't feel supported. You know, I don't feel like my family understands me or gives me the support or I feel like I'm, I'm wrestling against this with this by myself. And then understanding that those feelings, if those emotions are strong enough, then they're imprinting. And they're imprinting on your emotional body because, again, your body, your body is designed to be self-healing, whole, perfect, and complete. But also, think of your body as a suit of clothing for the soul. Anything that you need to look at, any challenge that you're having on a physical level, has an emotional, spiritual, mental cause. It has a root cause. And if you can root out that cause, if you can get to the bottom of it, you will cease to express in the manner that you are. So in the case of RA, once you start to look at those things, where am I in this problem? If it's my knees, uh, not only am I experiencing the stiffness, but how about I may be afraid to move forward? How about I've got all this stuff going on within me and I'm frozen, I'm, I'm, per, I'm paralyzed? Because RA is a, is a kind of a paralysis. Your joints are swollen, things are not moving. You're putting all kind of creams and pharmaceuticals. But as long as you look outside, as long as you do not look within to that self-criticism, to that resentment, to uh, the feeling of lack of support, to the aggression, all of these things, if these are rolled up into you and imprinted in such a way that you are expressing, then it's time to look at these things and look at these things non-judgmentally but look at these things in awareness. Because we are conditioned that we have no intrinsic value. Are we not? Our parents tell us by way of conditional love, if you act this way, I'll love you, and if you act up, I won't. Our schools tell us by way of reward and punishment and public humiliation if we don't follow suit. Theology tells us that we've got inherited sin and we're inherently evil. And our satellite family and significant others criticize and have conditional acceptance. So do not be surprised that we have a real issue when it comes to valuing ourselves and being that in that awareness that we are not flawed because we've been conditioned and we've got unspoken messages that tell us every which way we look that we are somehow flawed. And we've adopted this idea. And 
that is another one of the reasons sometimes that we don't ask for help because we've adopted this idea that if I ask for help, that's going to confirm to others that I am not sufficient. Again, moving away from the need to be recognized. If you need to be recognized, that's okay. But what if that's not the issue? If what if you're not asking for help is because you simply don't want to confirm that you're somehow flawed, that you're not sufficient, that you cannot do it. And so now you're operating from that fear, that fear that says, you know, then they'll find out that I'm, if I ask for help, they'll find out that I'm a fraud and, and I'm a perpetrator because I said I could do this and I really can't. And so if you're standing there, and again, understanding that we're here to evolve. Everything is about awareness, and there is nothing. And I know this with, from the deepest recesses of my being, that there is nothing on this plane of existence or beyond that condemns you, that judges you, that says that there is anything inherently wrong with you. It's all about evolution. You have created your body, you have created your life scenarios so that you could evolve, so that you could move your soul essence forward another notch. And that is all. So have fun. And this is where hypnotherapy is an extremely useful tool because it, it dissolves and reintegrates healthier beliefs and ideologies that repair the body collective and, and clearing and reclaiming your emotional body to begin with will, will alter your physical expression and raise your vibration from, from a vibration of dis-ease to a healthy balance that will outwardly express in your body as you start to work through these things, as you start to dissolve this, as you put away, as I always refer to, put away that stick. When I do workshops and things and people come in, the first thing I do is we have a, a little short meditation and I have them put all of their stuff in a brown paper bag and that stick that they've been walking around beating themselves over the head with, I have them set all of that stuff outside the door. And then I tell them, don't worry, I don't want it. I'm not going to keep it. At the end of the, the session, which is generally four hours when I do workshops, at the end I'm going to allow enough time for you to actually go back and pick up that bag of stuff if you find that you want it and take that stick back if you want it. But you have to raise your hand to let me know because a lot of people are going to want to leave. They're going to leave it out there and they don't want to pick it back up. And for all the years that I've been doing workshops that I've been doing that, I have never had anybody stay after and want to pick that stuff back up because we have a, a workshop and then we have what I call a joy time where we play. We absolutely play just like little children. And they find that they're feeling so good and they've learned so much information that under no circumstances do they want to go pick up their stuff. And so they don't. So looking at and paying attention again to the location of your symptoms because that's very telling. Is it in the hands? Is it in the knees? Is it, is it showing up in your wrists? Because all these things tell you the hands are about expression, about giving and receiving. Where are you? Where are your bugaboos there? Do you feel like you don't, that you're very critical that, okay, I can give, 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 but I can't receive, and I should. Here we go with should. Should is very telling. Start to pay attention to your vocabulary. What do you have behind that should? 
Learning to say no is also another very big aspect. Learning to say no. Learning to be able to tell another person no and not explain. And knowing within yourself, I just don't want to do this. It's not about being unkind. It's not about being mean. I just don't want to. And so if I have a choice between me and you, then I'm going to pick me. So I don't want to do this. And if I do this against my will, if it's not choice, if it's manipulation from you, if it's a threat from you, if it's anything other than my own free will, I'm going to suffer for this choice. I recently had a client not too long ago when I had my office in Dallas, and this young lady came to me, and she wanted to drop, she really felt, well, I'm going to do hypnotherapy. I want to drop 20 pounds in, in a year. And I said, okay. And so we sat down, and, you know, I did the preliminaries, and we filled out her paperwork and things. And she started working with me, and she noticed that she dropped 20 pounds in sort of like a week, a week's time or two weeks' time. She was totally down, I mean, visibly 20 pounds gone. And one of the things she noticed was that she heard herself, and what scared her and stopped her from coming back is she heard herself say no for the first time. Because one of the things that we had started working on is that you always do what's best for you. You do what's best for you. If you cannot do it wholeheartedly, please do not do it. Because the price you pay is an internal price. And she found herself saying no. And she thought, I'm going to lose my husband, I'm going to lose my friends, I'm going to lose my family because I am not going to allow you to manipulate me into doing anything that I don't want to do. And she found that that was too high a price for her. And so after about four sessions, she didn't come back because she was beginning to step into her own and and come into her own being and recognizing that she had been unable to say no. And now she could, and it was very frightening for her. And so one of the things that, that hypnotherapy does is really dissolves a lot of those mental, spiritual, and emotional blocks. It dissolves them. And you start to look at things the way they really are, and you start to begin to be aware of your self-talk, aware of the things that you are doing, aware of how much you are giving up. You're not here to be a martyr. Nobody's asking you to, to get on that cross. That's something that you do totally on your own. So being that I'm an intuitive and an empath, uh, I really work with my clients at that spiritual level. We work directly with the subconscious, and we work with these misconceptions that are expressing in their physical body. And if you are listening today, or and if you are dealing with RA, um, then I can help you explore and remove those mental, emotional, and spiritual blocks that are having you manifest this in your in your body right now. And if you've tried everything else, and you're currently having, you currently have a medicine cabinet full of pharmaceuticals to prove it, then what you have to gain in working with me is freedom. And that is freedom from all of those emotional blocks that you have, freedom from those mental blocks, freedom from the idea that you have to somehow be sick, the idea 
that your body is betraying you. First of all, your body is not betraying you. Autoimmune is your own rejection of yourself. And that is the idea that you are holding about yourself. Not, not the rejection of yourself, but the idea that you're holding about yourself. What has been implanted and impregnated in your psyche so deep that you are holding, again, that makes you think that you're somehow flawed, that you are uh, somehow unworthy. And that sets, that sets up that self-criticism, that sets up that self-talk, and that feeling that when I express my anger um, that I'm somehow uh, flawed because I am angry. And I would suggest to you, too, that as women, we are feminine energy. We are the divine feminine, and we are the emotional aspect of the man that is masculine and intellect. And so we're that balance. We're that counterbalance. We're that, we're that heart. You know, I always like to think that to those people that are fortunate enough to have chosen a significant other and did a pretty good job so they didn't wind up in divorce court, um, that that you are the balance of the masculine and the feminine. You, are, you bring the heart to that relationship, and your husband brings the intellect, the reason, and that when the two of you work together, each in their respective roles, as they have been given by the creator of all things, no judgment, divine feminine and divine masculine, understanding that you are created to work together. So that woman brings in that feeling nature. And what is that feeling nature? That feeling nature is emotion. That is, that is not ruled by reason. It's ruled by, by feelings. So, yes, everything that goes with that, the love, the, the uh, appreciation, the value, and, yes, the anger, if that, is, if that tends to be the case, or the feeling unheard, or uh, the feeling of, of not being supported, anything that is of a feeling nature, the feminine energy brings to the relationship. Why? Because the intellect is intellect. It reasons. It thinks. It does not feel. And I, I remember that my dad used to say that when just before the man makes a decision, he goes to the woman to get the feeling. What does she feel about it? Because she can feel what he can't. And she's able to intuit things to help him make his decision. Now, as we evolve, we're starting to see kind of like this androgyny coming up on the planet now, which is, again, in divine order, where men now are operating, they're, they're uh, using their intuitive faculties more, then let's say when I was coming up in the, in the 50s and, and uh, early 60s, men are now getting in touch with that aspect of them because it is within them. Because if they do not have a significant other, then they have to draw that from within their own essence, that ability to connect with the feeling nature, that ability to connect with the intuition, because all of that is resident in the feminine, not the masculine. I always like to say the masculine is about will. It's about power. It's about that aggression that helps you move forward. And it is not 
a feminine aspect, which is why it short circuits us when we're swallowing anger, when we're swallowing, uh, uh, un, you know, suppressed anger and suppressed resentment and all of those icky feelings. Those things are not resonant in our psyche. And when we stuff them, because it is an uncomfortable vibration, then we open ourselves up to a lot of diseases that are caused by an imbalance of our nature. We are created divine feminine and divine masculine. And when we get out of those roles and don't incorporate them together and unifiedly and in harmony, then we set ourselves up for a lot of discomfort. So I'd like to say here that initial consultations are always free. And you may connect with me via email at jade at orchestratingyourlife.com. You can go there. You can actually schedule an introductory uh, appointment with me, uh, and you can, or you can schedule a session with me. Um, and you can go on this uh, www.orchestratingyourlife.com to do your scheduling if you like. Um, I uh, am set up. You can do all of your payment there. You can do everything that you need to do going to orchestratingyourlife.com. And you can set up. You can talk to me telephonically. You can talk to me via Zoom. Uh, however, deep sessions that are at the Theta Delta level of mind are only done in person. And I am located right now in the Phoenix area. And I'd also like to say here that uh, to my new clients, now I have a, a special that I'm doing that is a coupon that you can actually go on and access a 25% off uh, coupon of your first five sessions. And um, it's a per session. You can download the um, Life Info app and use the promo code 618 to register and schedule your appointment, you will automatically uh, receive a 25% uh, coupon off of whatever service it be. May it be telephonic, may it be Zoom, may it be personal. Um, or you can go to 618-240-30.lifeinfoapp.com. And if you do it that way, you'll review a little five-minute video that tells you all about the app, and you can uh, go ahead and create your own account. So there's two ways that you can do it to get this 25% off coupon uh, off of each session uh, per your first five sessions. And uh, so you can go ahead and you can download the Life App Info and use the promo code 618-240-30. Go ahead and get registered. Uh, let me work with you. I can help you in a myriad of ways. And so, having completed everything, talking about RA, again, if you have any questions whatsoever about the material that we covered today, and this is only the tip of the iceberg, RA goes a whole lot deeper. Uh, hypnotherapy is extremely successful when you're dealing with these issues because it really helps to get to the core of what's going on. It helps you become aware. It also helps you love and appreciate the complexity and the beauty of who we are. We are absolutely magnificent beings. If you can appreciate that about yourself, if you can learn to be aware of just 
how magnificent you are individually. Once you tap into that and you tap into that forgiveness and that love and that appreciation for who you are, you start to move into harmony, you start to move into peace, and you start to really, really connect with yourself. And everything is about interconnection. It's about interconnection with ourselves on an individual basis because our first most important relationship is a relationship we have with our Creator. That is the first and foremost most important relationship, and I would suggest it is not a relationship of condemnation. It is not a relationship of judgment. It's not a relationship of being punitive on any level. It is a pure relationship of love and of evolution and of appreciation because it experiences life expression through you, as you, and by you. And therefore, it's not going to condemn itself, so it would never condemn you. It's not going to punish itself, so it's not going to punish you. And so that relationship is the first relationship you work on. And as you work on that relationship, you start to work on the second most important relationship that you have that takes you throughout eternity. Is that relationship that you have with your higher self and your individual soul personality because these two are both eternal. And as you start to work on that and as you start to appreciate what you really are and how much you really are and the integrity of yourself, you will automatically go into love and harmony. You would automatically go into compassion and appreciation. And it helps you get away from judgment and criticism because you start to understand and appreciate why you think the way you do, where it came from, be it theology, be it sociology, be it psychology. But the important thing is no matter where you start, it does not matter where you start. Once you get into awareness, it only matters where you're going to end up. And I promise you that you will end up on the lighter side of evolution you will have a wonderful appreciation for yourself. And when you stand in the mirror, you will appreciate your uniqueness and who you are and what you came to offer those that share this planet with you, those that share your life with you. And you start to stand in appreciation of the gifts that you brought, the gifts that only you. It doesn't matter if 20 people are standing at the podium and it doesn't matter if 20 people are saying the exact same thing. That person that has an ear to listen to your vibration will only hear your unique voice. So start to appreciate that. Start to appreciate where you are, where you come from, what you are, and those things that you came to offer to everyone that comes in contact with you. I always say to myself that every time I meet someone, my intent that I set is that they're better for having known me, not worse. That they're better. That somehow I, I tap something inside of them that makes them understand their unique qualities. That I tap something inside of them that makes them want to appreciate themselves and look just a little bit deeper. And that those are the things that I bring and that I, I tap that in them, that I make them think about that and that I make them laugh and I bring them joy. 
I, I have a friend that when we talk, I seem to tickle her fancy, and she starts to laugh and giggle, and it just makes me feel good that I can bring that kind of laughter to her, that kind of joy to her that makes her just crack up when we're talking. Because that's one of my goals, and not to bring any sense of condemnation, not to bring any sense of punishment, and not to bring any sense of limitation. So let me help you. Again, you can get in touch with me, jade, at orchestratingyourlife.com. You can send me any questions that you may have about this talk or any talk that I have so far. You may go into bbsradio.com forward slash fireside chats and I'll click on the archive. I think this particular show will probably be up in about 48 hours. And you can listen to some of the other shows and get a real feel for what it is like to start to accept and be accepted, not from a standpoint of judgment and certainly not from a standpoint of pointing fingers at mom, dad, brother, sister, and significant others, but being able to understand why you do the things you do. And once you know why, then you make a decision of what you're going to do going forward. So this is Jade Lauren, and I'm signing off for today. I hope you will join me in a couple of weeks. We air every other Saturday on bbsradio.com forward slash fireside chats. Uh, Let me hear from you. Drop me a note. Let me know how you're doing. And so in closing, have a blessed day. Have a fantastic week. And may all your desires come true.